this evening uh, the, is the entering into Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Uh, and it is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar um, for, for, the, for the Jewish people. And it is a day that we remember that, uh, as just now as we have sung, uh, that it is Christ who has poured out his blood so that all of us are redeemed unto the Lord, so that all of us uh, are once again um, redeemed to God. So this morning, I'd like to share with us about living uh, the redeemed life. Um, not sure how many of you have watched uh, this movie called Saving Private Ryan. It is now 25 years old, I think. Yeah. Uh, and some of you are probably younger than that, and you probably never watched it. It's about this uh, group of soldiers who were sent out to look for a soldier who was in the battlefield. And their mission is to save him, right? Save Ryan. His name is Ryan. And, um, and they had to bring him back to America, where he, came from, he comes from. So the whole entire story is about this group of people who were going around in France, trying to find this this soldier trying to find out where is he in order to bring him back. That was their mission, right? To bring him back to his, uh, to his mother, to bring him back home. Um, and throughout this entire story, there were those who were shot, there were those who died in battlefield, there were those who were sent on this mission who lost their life. Uh, but yet they continued on. To the very last moment when they found him uh, and uh, and they, they were able to save him. But the man who was in charge of the entire mission, the captain, uh, who was played by Tom Hanks, you all know Tom Hanks? For those who are younger than uh, 25, you, do you know Woody? Woody? The cowboy? Reach for the sky! Yeah. Woody is Tom Hanks, lah, okay? So uh, he, he was injured and he was dying. And so in front of him was this uh, Ryan, right, um, who, 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 uh, who was terrified of what was happening. You know, there was a fierce battle and everything. And just as he was dying, he grabbed hold of Ryan, right, and looked at him in, in his eyes and just uttered a sh you know, short sentence, you know, earn it, earn it, you know, earn it meaning this life that you have obtained, you know, this chance to return home safe um, uh, it, with the cause of those who went on the mission and died for you, right, to save you. Earn this life. That's what he was saying, right? Earn this life. And, 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 so, uh, and so Ryan went on to be to grow older and he became an old man. He asked his wife, you know, have I earned this life? Have I earned this life that was given to me uh, at the cost of those who died uh, to save me? Right? Um, you know, today as we, as, we, as we look at Yom Kippur, as we look at the Day of Atonement, as we think about Jesus who, who has given his life for us, as we have sung just now, um, that Jesus has given his blood to us. Um, have we considered how we live our life? That we have been redeemed, that we have been safe. But how have we lived our life that has been safe for us? Right. Um, turn with me to the book of First Peter, chapter 1, verses uh, 1 to 21. And we'll read this long, it's quite a long passage, but... Uh, I'd like to read it and then after that I will uh, lead us in a prayer. Okay, you found it? 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 21. Okay, uh, we'll read it together, we'll read it slow, it's uh, quite wordy and, uh, but we'll take our time, right? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, 
Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesy of the grace that would come to you, searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when they testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glories that will follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made, Lord, that we can come into your presence to listen to your word and to receive your word into our life. We ask that you speak to us through your spirit so that, Lord, your word, when it touches our hearts, will fall on good soil, Lord, and will take root and bear fruits, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So God has chosen us for salvation through Christ and redeemed our life through the precious blood of Christ. Now, there's absolutely nothing that we can do on our own to merit our participation in eternal life, right? Uh, not by our own merit, not by our own ability, not by our own goodness or the things that we think that we're doing which is morally correct, not by our own righteousness, uh, and nothing that we can do is able to uh, enable us to stand face to face before God and say that we deserve a place in eternity. Um, by our own, we fall short, we will sin. And therefore, when we sin, because we sin, we are only deserving of eternal damnation and hell. And that is life, isn't it? When we summarize it, um, there is that path that we are going on. Right? And at the end of life, when, when, uh, when we come to death, there's only two outcomes that uh, there is to our journey. Right? One is life eternal with God, Right? And the other is eternal damnation right? and, and hell. But for us to, to be able to enter into eternal life with God, to be with Him, uh, there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can possibly do. And that is why it is so important for us to have Jesus because it is only through Jesus and the precious blood of Jesus and the work on the cross that we are able to enter into this uh, eternal life 
that God desires for us. Now, in, in the book of Peter here, it says the word uh, that is used is elect, right? Uh, it is also uh, said here that you are chosen. You are elect, you are chosen, right? And what does it mean when we, we hear the word you are elect and you are chosen? It means that it is not something that we have done by our own. It is not something that we are able to do in our own power, but we have been chosen. Right? It says here in the Bible, it says we have been chosen by God. Right? And it is God's prerogative. But it is not arbitrary. It is not random. Right? God just doesn't pick us out randomly. But it's by the death of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sin. And God has qualified us and justified us through the work of Jesus on the cross. Uh, so all of us, when we receive Jesus, we are able to partake in this eternal life that God has given to us. Right? It is through God's grace through God's mercy that we are chosen, right? And so when we consider our life, um, to be elected, right, is, is really something that is um, amazing, isn't it? Because we did not get to choose it. We can, did not get to determine um, whether we will receive it. But it is through God's grace through God's mercy, that we have received it, right? And, and so today, as we, uh, as we remember the Day of Atonement, as we remember what Jesus has done on the cross, let us remember that we have been chosen, that we have been elected, right? And it is that we are powerless. There's nothing that we can do in order for us to, be, to come right with God, but it is true his mercy, through God's grace, and through what Jesus has done on the cross, through His blood, that we can be called children of God, that we can be called the elect, that we can be called uh, His people, that we, can be, get, that we can enter into His kingdom. And when we are elected, what, do we, what is in store for those who are elected? In verse 3 to verse 6, this is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Right. And, uh, and this is what we have when we are elected. This is what we receive, right? The first is that we are born again, right? The words here, it says here uh, that through God's abundant mercy, you have been begotten again, right? You have been born again, right? You who were once, we who were once uh, those who were destined for sin and those who were destined for death, we have been born again through, through our death and resurrection uh, in Christ, right? We have been born again. And this is our new birth. This is who we are as those who are elected. And what else? There is a living hope, it says here. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in a person who is still dead. Our hope is not in an idol that, is, that cannot speak, that uh, cannot, uh, cannot interact with us. Our hope is not in any man who is alive but our hope is in a God, our Lord Jesus, who, though he died, was resurrected and is victorious. And that is our living hope that we have. Another thing is that those who are elected, we receive an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven. And this is what we have as the people of God, those who are covenanted people of God, those who are established in the blood of Jesus, uh, a covenant that is established through Jesus, right? 
Now, when we talk about inheritance, what do we understand by the word inheritance? Now, inheritance here uh, suggests not only inheritance that will come, but also uh, inheritance that we receive in this present time. Right? Uh, inheritance reminds us of the present reality of what we're facing in our life here on earth. Right? Our victory as God's people begins here on earth through Jesus. Right? And we see that in, uh, from, from the book of Acts, uh, when Jesus died and he, when he, was, he rose again, and when we receive the Holy Spirit, we see that victorious life of the people of God, living, uh, living victoriously through his name uh, and, and bringing change, bringing uh, freedom to those who need to hear about uh, the gospel of Jesus, about salvation, right? And in, in the, the way that Peter says this is that um, this is our inheritance. This is something that we as the people of God, as the church, uh, have inherited. This is uh, something that we have received that those before Christ could never experience for themselves in their lifetime, right? If you turn back to the Bible, it says here, um, in verse 10, right? in verse 10 it says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesy of the grace that will come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified uh, beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories which would follow. Now in verse 12 it says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, uh, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you um, and preached in the gospel by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Right? And when we read this, this passage, it reminds us that whatever things that we experience now as the people of God, right, whatever we have received uh, through Christ and his victory on the cross, is not a small matter. It's not a small thing. Because it is something that our, the saints before us, it is something that the prophets, it is something that, um, you know, Abraham and, uh, and Moses and, and uh, Daniel and all these prophets, when they, when they looked and, and sought for to see what God was doing, how God was, able, was going to redeem his people, how God was going to redeem Israel. Um, they could only long for the things that we are experiencing today. Right? Um, the things that we are experiencing because of what Christ has done on the cross. Right? So when we look at the life of the church, it is no small thing to be able to preach the gospel um, to the ends of the earth. It is no small things to be able to bring the name of Jesus wherever we go and to preach it. Uh, it is no small thing. To be able to, to speak freedom to those who are in bondage and to set the captives free, it is no small thing. To be able to, um, to, 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 um, you know, to, to, to bring deliverance to those who are in bondage, Right, whether it's in, uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, in setting them free from, 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 from demonic um, oppression or even to, to heal them of their wounds, of their brokenheartedness. It is no small thing. It is possible because of what Christ has done, because of his blood that is spilled for all of us, his people. Right? And, and so when we, when we consider today what Christ has done on the cross, when we consider today what, uh, what he has given to us, let us remember this is our inheritance as the church of God. And we see it in uh, the book of Acts, how um, the church was able to go forth so powerfully when the Holy Spirit was poured on God's people. And that is not a small thing as well. To receive the Holy Spirit into our own lives, to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us, is not a small thing. To be able to hear from the Lord and to speak words of prophecy is not a small thing. To be able to receive for ourselves the words that God speaks to us, whether it's through 
the preaching of the word, or whether it's through prayer from our leaders, from those who pray for us, is not a small thing. And it is only possible because of Jesus and the work on the cross that he has completed. So that is our inheritance. A victory in Christ and authority in his name to advance his kingdom. That is our inheritance as desert stream. When we look at our lives, we look at us as a church. It is not a small thing to be, to be planted as a church, to be called to go out to the peoples, to make disciples of all nations, to all peoples, to, uh, to, uh, to, to raise a generation of worshippers right, uh, who will worship God. It's not a small thing. And we are all part of that inheritance. That is part of what uh, we have been given, part of what um, we uh, are to do for the Lord. Right? And inheritance also reminds me that, um, you know, inheritance, when we, when we uh, a few weeks ago, Kenneth uh, uh, was sharing about the prodigal son, right? And about inheritance, right? Inheritance is something that we are promised in the future, right? Um, but more than that, it also reminds us that we are, um, are those who, we are God's people. We are God's children who have received this inheritance, right? And inheritance tells us that we are not just workers, we are not just laborers, but we are those who are his um, children, right? We are his sons. We are to carry on the work for him. We are those who inherit the work uh, of the Lord. So, um, so, so we are those who are to carry on the work of God for his kingdom. And inheritance also reminds us that we have been given the Holy Spirit. We have received uh, God's Spirit in our lives. But more than that, Peter also reminds us that we are pilgrims, right? Um, some of you have maybe heard of this very old hymn, The world is not my home, I'm just passing through. The treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We're reminded that we're pilgrims, right? That we are moving on. This life here is not our final destination, right? It doesn't stop here. Final Destination was a movie, some of us may also remember, uh, where Final Destination means uh, mati lah, right? <laughs> it's a very, 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 uh, yeah, very odd movie, Final Destination. Uh, but no, you know, life is not, here life is not our final destination. Um, when, Pe when Peter uses the word pilgrims, right? Pilgrims is not just travelers, um, but pilgrims uh, has a deeper meaning. It means that uh, we are journeying on a religious journey. That's pilgrim, right? Or we are journeying um, uh, for the Lord. That is pilgrim. We're not just traveling, right? And we're reminded as Christians, as people of God, that we're pilgrims. He calls them pilgrims, right? When Peter wrote this, he was writing to, um, to the believers who were scattered out throughout the region where he was writing to. And he referred to them as pilgrims because they were far away from Jerusalem. But in a way, when we read it today, it also reminds us that we are pilgrims as well, right? That this world uh, is not uh, our final destination. Um, that we are journeying onwards and upwards, that we're moving, we'll keep on moving, right? We're moving towards uh, the Lord, we're moving heavenward, and that is our journey. And so when we consider it that way, when we call ourselves pilgrims, we're reminded that in this life, we ought not hold too hard to what we have in this life. Whatever blessings that the Lord has given to us, whatever things that we have in our life, you know, um, this is not the end. Right? There's something greater that the Lord 
is bringing to us. There's a greater inheritance uh, for all of us that the Lord desires for us to receive. And this world itself and all that it has um, is not the end. Um, and sometimes it's, it's a very challenging um, lesson for us to receive, right? Um, when we look at our loved ones, when we look at the th um, our children, when we look at our parents, when we look at our siblings, when we look at our friends, um, but, but this world is, will pass and all that is in it will pass, right? And in fact, all our earthly belongings will pass and nothing will last. But the Lord has something in store that is greater for all of us. As much as inheritance is about the present victory that we can have through Christ, uh, through our circumstances, um, through the things that we are facing in our lives, inheritance also reminds us that God has something greater in store for each and every one of us. Right? And whatever good things, whatever blessings that the Lord has given to us in this life pales in comparison to what God has in store for us in heaven. Right? And our greatest inheritance is the Lord. The Lord is our inheritance. And He is our greatest inheritance. The one that is imperishable, incorruptible, the one that will never fade away, never change. He is our inheritance. And so when we consider our life, let that be um, where we place our hope in the inheritance that is in the Lord. Our redeemed life is not for our own, but it is to be submitted to our Redeemer and subject to God's purpose and will. What is God's purpose and will for us here now that He has redeemed us, now that He has won us over, um, not, um, not without any cost, but with the cost, with the blood of Jesus. What is His purpose and will to us? Are we to continue living our lives the way we want to? Or is there something greater? And I want to, I want to challenge us because I believe that as the redeemed people of God, our life is not our own. Right? In the same way that, uh, you know, saving Private Ryan, uh, when, when, he, um, when, he, when he grabbed hold of Ryan and said, earn this life, earn this life, right? Um, I guess in a way you could, you could say that about our, our, our life with God as well, you know. Of course, we don't earn, we can't earn our life, right? But it reminds us that we must have an appropriate response to the life that is given to us to the death of Christ, uh, to, to, to the blood that was shed for all of us. Our life is not our own because it was bought with a price that was costly. And so when we consider our lives as those who are redeemed, um, it is no longer what I want, but it is really what is God's purpose? What is His will? Um, so for us as Christians, as people of God, our purpose, our will, will come second. And it is always God's will, God's purpose first. As there's a stream, as God's people, what is God's purpose for us? Do we ask that uh, you know, every week, if we don't every day? Lord, what is your purpose for me in, as desert stream, as a stream in the desert? And how can I be part of it in my life? As those who are redeemed, our primary call is to establish the Lord's kingdom. Right? That was what uh, Jesus told the disciples uh, in his great commission, right? that we are to make disciples of all nations, right? baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Uh, and that is our prerogative. That is our primary purpose in life. It is no longer about pursuing the things that we desire. It's no longer about seeking after our own ends and seeking after our own desires. Remember 
that your life was purchased at the cost of the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we need to respond appropriately. We cannot just receive the Lord and say, okay, I'm just going to continue living my life the way I want to. Right? Um, because then we, we, have, we have not appreciated what Jesus has done for us through his death. Appropriate response to his death is to respond by saying, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Let your purpose come first in my life. Let all that I do um, be what you desire to be done. Right? Our primary focus, our energy, our time, our effort uh, must be directed towards God's kingdom and God's purpose. In your own life, you know, how can you be part of that purpose that God has uh, for His kingdom, um, to advance His kingdom? Do we ask this when we go through our week, every week, every day? You know, is, is that something that, that, that is at the back of our heads, that is always constantly there? Do we ask the question, Lord, how am I increasing your kingdom um, today? How am I bringing your kingdom to where I'm going, where I am, where you have placed me? Um, how am I bringing your purpose, your will to those around me? And I feel that is a very important question that we need to ask. And I have to say that it's not a question that I always ask myself as well. Because sometimes when we go through life, we will just go through life, right? We just go through what we have. We deal with our own problems. We deal with our own situations. We deal with the things that we are faced with, right? And, and then God's purpose, God's will uh, comes, um, is put behind, right? And if I may dare say, if I may dare say, um, sometimes maybe we only pray for God's will and God's purpose when that challenge has to deal with us, right? When we are faced with difficulties uh, in our own work, when we're faced with difficulties in our own family. Or oh, then I pray for God's will, you know, pray for God's will that it will come. Pray for, for, for the name of the Lord to be, uh, you know, to, to, be, uh, to be established in, 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 my, in, my, in my career, in my work, in my, in my family. But isn't that a bit self-centered? Because we're only prompted to think about God's will when it costs us. Then we'll think about God's will. But I want to challenge us, you know, to, to look beyond just our needs, to look beyond just to look beyond our nose, right? That's what I said last time, right? To look beyond this nose and to look at God's purpose, God's kingdom at a bigger picture. Um, last Sunday, I was uh, really privileged to, um, um, to, to, take, to, uh, to take part in this uh, a talk that was held by OM, right? Oasis Mission, uh, in uh, Logos Hope, Dulos Hope. Right? And, uh, and, and so we heard a lot of things about what, was, what the Lord was doing uh, in these nations around the world, right? Uh, some of you may have an opportunity to, to go to the ship uh, uh, that is here, but uh, tickets are booked out right, very fast, and some of you may not have that opportunity. Um, now, the ship itself, right, and the ministry of the ship, I found out that it's only, it only makes up a small portion of what OM does, right? Because a lot of their, a lot of their work is actually spent on the ground with the people uh, in, in countries throughout the world, bringing the gospel uh, to, to those uh, who need to know, right? And they have this slogan, right? Oh, if I can remember... Uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus follower, JF, right? Uh, it is basically to, uh, oh, vibrant community of Jesus followers. YCJF, 
right? That is their slogan, right? YCJF, YCJF, YCJF. They always refer to themselves uh, as Jesus followers, Jesus followers, right? And their goal is that each place that they bring the gospel, right, will have a vibrant uh, community, vibrant community of Jesus followers. That's their goal, right? And why? Why is this so important? Because they, they want to build up um, a, a, a people, uh, a, a, you know, worshippers in that area who will be able to reach out to those who have not received the gospel, right? And, you know, throughout the, throughout the sharing, uh, we find out that even in Southeast Asia itself, that, the, that, that there were so many who have not received the gospel. So many, so, so, so many. And so the, the, uh, the objective of OM is to, to bring the gospel wherever they go, right? Um, so that everyone has an opportunity to receive Jesus. That is the bigger picture, my friends. The bigger picture is, is not just uh, you know, it's not just confined to our own situation, to our own needs, to our own purposes. But it is really to advance the kingdom of God uh, and, and, to, uh, and, and to, to bring the gospel wherever we go. That is the purpose of us as the redeemed of the Lord. Um, we, we need to look beyond ourselves, to look out, to reach out, right? And that is who we are as Desert Stream, right? I, I remind myself, I need to remind myself as well, this, this uh, past few months I've been reminding myself, Desert Stream, I'm Desert Stream, this is who I am. I'm stream in the desert. I, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I need to, to bring that stream to desert, right? Uh, and to bring to any desert I see, where there is a lacking of the word of God, where there's a lacking of, uh, you know, of God's purpose and will, where there's a lacking of freedom, where there's bondages, desert. That's where we need to go. That's where we need to bring the stream to, right? And that's who we are, right? As desert stream. That is who God has purpose and will for us to be. We need to take part in the kingdom-building work of God. And we need to take part in bringing the gospel to the nations, in setting the captives free. In your own lives, um, when was the last time you shared the gospel to your friend? When was the last time you testified uh, or shared about how God had touched your life or changed your life or made a difference in your life to those around you? You know, if it has been a while then it is a good time to start, right? If you have not done it before, then it is also a good time to start. To tell those who need to know about Jesus. The third is, our redeemed life uh, is to give glory to God. Now, there are two, uh, two places or two circumstances where, uh, or situations where we give glory to God. The first is in trials and tribulations. Um, we turn back to uh, the book of Peter. Right in, in verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and so we, we are called to give glory to the Lord when we are faced with trials and tribulations. Now, trials and tribulations are, is not uh, temptations, uh, right? It's a totally different thing, right? So when you're faced with temptation, uh, whether it's uh, sin or lust, right? Don't say, oh, I'm, I'm facing tribulation uh, and trial, right? Um, no, right? Trials and tri tribulation is... Uh, what tribal, trials and tribulation is, is basically when our faith is challenged. That is, uh, that is trials and tribulations. For, for, for the early church, that was a really um, 
that, that was the reality of their life, right? They faced trials and tribulations on their faith. Uh, and they were challenged by their faith. They were challenged whether they, um, uh, uh, whether they would continue on to, to call Jesus as Lord or whether they would submit to Caesar as Lord, right? Um, and, you know, it's very interesting because uh, during the, the early church times, right, uh, Christians were called atheists. You know that? The reason why they're called atheists is because the Romans believe in many gods. Many, 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 many gods. They even believe Caesar uh, is a god, right? And yet, when they look at the, the Jewish, when they look at the Christians, they only believe in one god. And they find that uh, really strange for them, right? And so they were called atheists, right? Uh, and, and, and they're not only called that, but you, you face... Uh, you face punishment, you face death for your belief. And that was really trials and tribulations. Right? They lost their life. Right? They lost everything for their faith. And here, Peter is reminding us, as, as people of God, we need to give glory to Him through our trials and tribulations. When our faith is tested, what do we do? In our workplace, as uh, Christians, when our faith is tested, what do we do? Uh, as an engineer, I've been an engineer for 20 years now. Uh, I remember when I went for my first interview, uh, at the end of the interview, uh, you know, my prospective employer said, okay, uh, what salary do you want and all this, right? Uh, and then after that, he asked, do you have any questions you want to ask me? And I just said, oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and, you know, I don't want to be involved in, you know, in, you know, any hanky-panky, right? And, and he said, oh, you know, we're not, we're not this kind of a company and things like that, right? And, and the company has gone through quite a lot of difficult times, I would say, right? And, but... I've never been asked, you know, to do anything uh, like that. Um, and I'm really very thankful because of that. Um, because, um, because the Lord has, has really sheltered me from that, right? Um, but I do wonder what would have happened if I, I didn't voice it out in the first place. I didn't say that, um, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. It's not right for me, right? Uh, and, and I believe a lot of us in the workplace, we face this kind of situation. We don't talk a lot, perhaps, um, but we do, right? Where we have to decide whether we take the righteous path or we just comply to what our boss says or what our superiors say because... If we don't comply, then maybe we'll lose our way of living, right? Um, and, I, and, I, I, and I do know that some of you here who have decided to say no, you know, and, and who have lost your jobs because of that. And that is what it means to, to stand firm in Christ in times of trials and tribulations, right? It is to say, Lord, my... My, my will, my purpose, my needs comes secondary um, to, to your glory in my life. That is, right? And, and as people in the marketplace, a lot of us here are marketplace people. That is the challenge that we face where we need to say, Lord, let your glory uh, shine in my life and in what I do. We need to stand firm um, because of the salvation we have received from Christ. Stand firm, right? Um, because Christ has paid the cost to save us. And it was not cheap. It was costly. 
So stand firm because of that and because of salvation, because of what we have received. Stand firm in your trials and tribulations because Christ has saved you. Christ uh, has saved you from hell, from damnation. The second thing is um, we give glory to God by living a transformed life that is not conformed to the world and past sinful nature, but to be renewed and sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 13 to 16, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not confirming yourself to the former lust as in ignorance, but, but as he who called you holy is holy, uh, be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Um, we're sanctified by, by the Holy Spirit. It is an ongoing process for all of us. It works for us all uh, who have received uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, God into our lives and has the Holy Spirit in us. It makes our lives, uh, uh, it transforms our life by making our, our lives holy. It separates us from the old ways uh, so that we become more and more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a godly life. But at the same time, holiness is not just uh, the part of the Holy Spirit, but it is also we ourselves, we have a part to do in holiness as well. Right? We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to choose holiness, to choose to grow our relationship with God. In our own lives, what do we need to do? You know, what are the things that you need to do to be transformed, um, to be changed, to be more Christ-like, um, to, to set ourselves apart from the world? Uh, do, do we consider that in our own lives every, every week, if not every day? Do we ask the question, Lord, how have I transformed today? Um, to be more and more Christ-like. Sometimes, perhaps this question is something that we don't ask a lot, right? And uh, something that we don't consider. But in our lives, we need to be transformed. We need to continually change. We cannot remain where we are. We cannot remain the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever, right? But we need to be transformed, we need to be changed. Um, just uh, about a month ago, more than a month ago, I went to Malacca, right? And I, I participated in a marathon. It was a full marathon. So it's like 42K, 42 km, right? Yesterday, my, I was talking to my father. He asked, and he said like, wow, 42 km is actually quite a fair distance, right? From here maybe to Kota, Kota Belut or... Tengkilan, maybe, right? It, it, it's, it's very far, right? It's, it's ridiculous, actually. <laughs> but, you see, my friend has been asking me for the past 10 years. Uh, every year, he asks me, like, hey, Leonard, let's do a full marathon. Let's do a full marathon. And I've always declined. and say, no, 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 no. It's not for me and everything. Um, but he kept on asking. And he's done, like, 10, I think. So, so, so I said, this year, I have to stop him from asking me over and over again, so I said, yes. So I said, yes, and I told myself, I'm going to train for it, right? I only let, had four months, I think, and uh, so I thought, okay, yeah, you can still do it, like, try, just train every day, and, uh, and then you'll be all right. So the third month came, and I bought my shoes for running, and uh, maybe trained once or twice, and the second month came, the last... And the first uh, one month came, and then after that, I was just a few weeks from the marathon. And I was really very nervous because I realized that uh, I've not trained. You know, I'm not ready for the marathon. And I, told, I told my friend, I said, I'm just going to make sure, uh, you know, I, I just make it there safely, right? And, and not injure myself or not hurt myself. Uh, and, and just be careful. So, uh, 
I did the run and I was familiar with running like 15k because that's something I sometimes do, right? But when you reach, uh, when I reached the, the halfway uh, turn back, right? And then going on for a few more km, like I think 25, my knee started giving up, right? The knee here <laughs> at the side uh, started ha having this pain, right? And the pain started to radiate. I started running and then all of a sudden, right, the knee would just collapse, and, you know, like <laughs> the knee would just say, I give up. Right? So, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it was really a struggle, very much a struggle. And around the, I think the 35K, right, um, I would, there was this huge hill that we had to go in order to reach the, 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 the finishing line. And I remember, I don't want to spend my time walking up the hill because it's going to take a long time. So I said, okay, I'll shuffle jog. You know, shuffle jog is like, yeah, shuffle, shuffle jog, right? You're not really lifting your leg, you're just shuffling. shuffling the motion is like you're running. So, so there I was, right, shuffling, jogging up the hill, like very, very slowly. This is my name of business. And then suddenly I heard footsteps next to me. And lo and behold, there was, a, there was a lady, I think about 10 or 15 years, uh, you know, my, my senior. She was just walking up the hill, you know, like steady, like walking fast and past me. And I, here, here I was, like shuffle jog, <laughs> like with all the action, right? And there she was, like, up the hill, no problem. And when I saw that, I just, I just bent down laughing, right? Because it was just so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Anyway, I made it to the end of the, of the marathon. And that was the lesson I received from this whole struggle. Sometimes in our Christian life, we may look like we are running. We may look like we're doing a lot up the hill. Um, but are we really doing a lot? You know, are we really running this race that God has set for us? Um, or is it just a form without any power, right? <laughs> without any function. Um, and, 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 and I want to encourage us in our life, in our journey, right? Let us be transformed. Because without, if we're not transformed, if our lives is not sanctified uh, and changed to be more Christ-like, then there's no power to run this journey that God has set for all of us um, to the end. We'll just be looking like running, but we're not getting anywhere. So be transformed in your life. Be changed. Um, be unlatched from the ways of the world, the old pattern. Be renewed in your mind, Paul says, right? Um, so that our purpose will not be self-centered, so that our interests will not be self-serving, so that we will not be seeking for our own glory. You know, our inheritance is secure in eternity, but in this life, if, if all that we do is self-centered, if, if all that we do is self-seeking, if all that we do is for our own glory, we live so low from the potential from what God has in store for all of us. And, and, uh, and, and I do hope that that is not how we decide to live our life, but to look for God's purpose, to look for His will, and to be part of it, and to walk into it. Um, the ways of the world is not our ways. We are pilgrims. We are pilgrims and we are journeying. We are strangers in a foreign land and their values and our values do not mix. Our values are from the kingdom of God and the values of the world is from the, from the world. Right? Um, and the church of Acts lived this very well. When you look at the church of Acts, you see that they were living for others. It's a very interesting thing, right? They were selling their possessions and giving to others. And I found out from uh, Kenneth Bitwood, 
uh, a few weeks ago, that the pilgrims during those days, uh, when they traveled to Jerusalem, they had to sell everything that they owned in order to make that journey. I never thought about it that way, you know. Uh, like, but it makes sense, right? Because it's not like today you can, everybody can fly and you just buy a ticket and go to Jerusalem uh, to, to, uh, to, to worship the Lord. You, they had to sell everything. They had to sell all their possessions in order to, to have the fare for them to travel all the way. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so once they've reached there, they probably don't have anything else already. Right? So they, they require um, brothers and sisters to help them out, right? to feed them, to give them shelter, to give them clothing. Uh, and wow, what an amazing way to, to live. And what a, challenging, what a challenge to me in my own life as well. Right? Because they were living not for themselves, but they were living for something greater, for God's kingdom. So today, as we look at the Day of Atonement, as we, as we remember what Christ has done for us and the price uh, that he has paid to redeem us with his blood, let us not live small, right? But let us, let us appropriate what Jesus has done for us on the cross uh, and, and really live our life for his kingdom and really lay hold of what God is doing and say, God, I will run with it. You know, I'll, I'll look beyond my own needs and my purpose. I'll run with you because I know there's something greater that you are doing and I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. As Desert Stream, when we look at our lives, for the past 19 years as we enter into the 20th, um, let us also say the same. Lord, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of what you are doing. And I want to run with it um, to see your glory, to see your kingdom um, grow. Uh, God has chosen us for salvation, our redemption, was paid in full by the death and the blood of Jesus. But it's not for our own purpose and end. It is for God's purpose. It is for His glory. And I pray that each and every one of us will look for the Lord's purpose so that His glory uh, will be magnified. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for, Lord, reminding us, Lord, that you have chosen us for salvation and that you have paid the cost, Lord, to redeem us through Jesus and through his death and suffering on the cross through the pouring out of his blood for all of us so that we are redeemed. Lord, we know in our life sometimes we live so far from your purpose and your will and the way that you have intended. And sometimes we're so self-centered where our interest comes before your kingdom. But Lord, you have reminded us that whatever we have here on earth is a fleeting moment in comparison to the in eternal inheritance we have with you and in you. Father, help us that in our life we will not live small. Lord, but we will 
we will pursue your purpose, your will. We desire to use our life to honour you, to give you glory, to use our life to bring your gospel, your kingdom to those who need to hear, who need to know. Lord, that in our trials and our tribulations, that we will stand firm, knowing, Lord, that our inheritance is in you, knowing, Lord, that you have given us this salvation at a costly price, and we will stand firm as a response to your love poured out to us, as a response to your sacrifice on the cross, that we will transform our lives as a response, Lord, to your call of salvation in our lives. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus in our lives. We thank you for the cross.